Wildfire Podcast is an extension of Wildfire Ministries, an organisation that has a focus of igniting men and women of God into a deeper discipleship with Christ, instilling them with a passion to radically and relentlessly pursue Christ wherever that leads, that God's truth will spread like a wildfire. Hello everyone and welcome to another Wildfire Podcast. I'm Nick Taylor and I'm here with... Peter Wright. Peter Wright. I'll say quite assertively there. Peter Wright. <laughs> uh, so, Peter, we're going to be discussing Genesis this week. What prep have you done? I watched all the Jurassic Park movies recently. <laughs> and they're, uh, they're quite great, great insight. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why I find that so funny. People are like, oh, wow, what a lame joke. Yeah. You didn't actually do that, though, right? No, I didn't. Calm our, calm our listeners down. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> that is not a good way to study Genesis, okay? Uh, however, that does then lead into like, dinosaurs, evolution, younger, I, I have been older. asked. I've been asked, as, as a Christian, do you believe in dinosaurs? That's something I've been asked before. Do you? No. Interesting. No, I do actually. Okay, <laughs> um, but the okay, thing. yeah. Uh, but before we kind of waste more time in that one, it's <laughs> it's we're not going to talk about science in this podcast in this episode anyway. Yeah. It's something we think deserves an entire episode of its own, at least. So we're going to talk about evolution, the Big Bang, dinosaurs, all those kind of things. Yeah. All the time. So we're not backing down from it. We're going to do a separate podcast on scientific materialism and all the arguments that yeah. stem from that and how that relates to the Bible. Yeah, but the whole reason we're not doing it is it we're not covering it in this podcast is we're looking at Genesis and the main thing we need to consider whenever we're looking at the book of the Bible is what do the authors want to tell us? And the author of Genesis is not concerned whether the Big Bang happened or not. That's not the primary question they're seeking to ask or answer. So therefore, it's not something we, could, we should be concerned with in this podcast episode. Mm. Um, so look, how would you summarize the book of Genesis? What would you kind of okay. put, put over it? So it's 50 chapters. And I, the way I would economize it or separate or break it down is the story of the world, chapters 1 to 11, and then the nation and the family, chapters 12 to 50. So it's like a wide scope and then a specific scope homes in on chapter 12 on the family of Abraham. Yeah. And then the story just goes from there. Yeah. So Genesis means beginning, right? Yes. The Hebrew word is reshit. Okay, you nerd. <laughs> um, that was really helpful. Look, thank you very much. For that um, yeah, so Genesis means beginning in English because that's what we all speak. Yes. Um, but so in the that's what the Hebrew word actually means as well. It means beginning. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry again. <laughs> um, but so one to eleven, that's the beginning of the world, and then ele- and then twelve to fifty, that's the beginning of a nation or a family. Yeah, and like the Bible Project do a really good uh, summary of this. If you want to get like a real good brainstorm or shortened version. Yeah. Um, so the way I would kind of describe the whole story, though, and I guess it's the story of the Bible in general. I mean, Genesis starts the way the Bible continues is it's the story of how God walks with man. Um, so uh, you got God walking with Adam in the Bible. And you find in, as well before the fall, which we can go into more detail about the drunk, it's quite it's like the defining event of the first early chapters. But God, it says God walked with man or God walked with Adam. Mm-hmm. So God was the one who came down and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. But after the fall, every time you see this phrase walked, oh no, I, I, I called you out for using the Hebrew word, but I'm going to use one now. Do it. Hithpael. Um, I've definitely butchered that one. Say that again. Hithpael is how it's spelled in English, but okay, no waste more time than that. <laughs> Sounds um, like you have a lisp. <laughs> I do have a lisp. Um, but then uh, it's, so it's, every time it's written after that, it says the character 
that word or walked with God. So it's the other way around. So after the fall, it's man's responsibility to walk with God because we're the ones who have sinned and fallen. So with Enoch, is the first, I think he's the first example after the fall. So instead of Adam walked with God, it's Enoch walked with, instead of God walked with Adam, it's Enoch walked with God. So it's just a role reversal because God is so holy and he's in the heavens. It's our responsibility, responsibility now to come to him. Okay. Does that make sense? So we forfeited that with our sin. Yeah. What a blessing that would have been. God yeah. walking with us. Yes. Physically, tangibly. Yeah. And then now there's a difference. Now there is an effort made on humanity's part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I understand that. I understand that. Yeah. So then the other example is uh, Noah as well. So whenever, a char- whenever it says a character walked with God, you can tell they're a, a, a better character than everyone else because it's hard to see any good characters in the early chapters. Everyone seems pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to be honest with you, that's just a general theme in the Bible. That's true. Just, we're all just sinful, yeah. sinful humanity. No character seems to champion anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's that's as well a, a problem I used to have with biblical ter- interpretation. I don't know if you did this as well. Like, I always looked at the characters and was like, oh, David did this really well, so I'm going to try and be like David. Or in Genesis in particular, like, okay, Abraham had faith, so I'm going to be like Abraham. And in some sense, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to have faith like Abraham. But also, these characters are so bad, and sometimes, like, uh, yeah, and there is that's there is, there is a, a propensity to do that, especially within the Jewish community. For example, they might place Abraham in like a divinic state almost, uh, or these Old Testament characters. To, you know what I mean? If you actually speak against Abraham or talk about biblically things that he did wrong, they'll actually maybe question you. And I'm not saying that's not all Jewish community, of course not. As in, there is a minority. There is individuals. Who, who do that? And of course, if we think of how that relates just today, think of even the Ravi Zacharias. We put men who, who we think of great intellect, of great renown, and we put them in a place of divinity. We, put, we are over-reliant on men. And that is a perfect example. Don't do it because you will ultimately, yeah. you know what I mean? The only person uh, that will meet our expectations is Jesus Christ, is the God of the universe. Yeah. So, Trinity 3 and 1. Yeah, so whenever we're reading through books like Genesis, instead of saying, what can I learn about this character, is what can we learn about God, mm-hmm. is, the, is the primary question. Yeah. The Bible's just one whole narrative mm-hmm. talking about Jesus. Yeah. In fact, I'd say there's probably more examples of things where you learn what not to do from certain characters. That's probably yeah. the, the trend. So uh, polygamy, look, Abraham has... Well, he has Sarah, and then he has a few. Con- he's at least one concubine. Oh no, he's a few concubines. Okay. Um, Isaac, and then well, you got well Isaac actually. He might. I can't remember about Isaac, but then you got Jacob, who has more than one wife. Yeah. So Rachel should, and Leah. Should, should we be polygamists? Is that how it works? No. Why? Why so? We should not be polygamists. So again, narrative does not mean normative. So again, there's things called biblical hermeneutics. That is, these are. Uh, frameworks or tools that allow us to read the Bible and actually analyze or exposit what it is actually saying, what it is. So just because it says that Abraham had, or Jacob had, or insert character, had how many number of wives, for example, Solomon being the best example, narrative does not then mean that we, that is a normative, that's a precept command that God has given us, that we then go and marry and have polygamous relationships or have like, 900 concubines or whatever it was yeah <laughs> you know what i mean so just because it appears in the bible doesn't mean it's a precept command yeah there's pres- prescriptive and descriptive yes elaborate on that okay so prescriptive is do this thing like the ten commandments yes descriptive is this thing happened yes and that's what the you know the bible is also an historical document okay i am history student so i love studying the bible and it basically gives narratives so and that's something that is testament to the Bible, as in it is not just a propaganda book, a bias book. It's like every person who appears in the Bible is amazingly good. 
There's only one, and that's Jesus, which we've talked about. Again, it talks about all the, every single character has faults, has errors, and the Bible documents that as any good historical objective document does or should do. Yeah. Um, so with Genesis, look, there's something called the law of first mention. Are you familiar with that? No, I have no, I, oh, no right. clue. I, I was hoping you would be. Um, okay. <laughs> Is this a moment we're going to look at each other? And be no, like... to be fair, I, I do, but I was hoping you'd be able to answer it and I'd be able to bounce oh, off okay. you. Um, but, uh, what is it, Peter? <laughs> such a genuine question. Um, so the law of first mention, that's, there's biblical themes that appear throughout the Bible. Again, Bible Project have lots on these. But you'll notice with every single one of the Bible Project videos, they always start in Genesis. Okay. Because Genesis, the beginning, so it's the beginning of the theme, the beginning of an idea. So the law, it's the law of first mention. Whenever something's mentioned for the first time, that's quite important because that shows how it's going to be replicated throughout yes. the rest of the Bible. Um, can you think of any exa- examples of this? Or is that, again, putting you on the spot too much? I don't know. God? <laughs> okay. The first time God appears? I don't know. Uh, can you give us an example? Well, you got uh, biblical feasts throughout the Bible. Oh, yes. Okay. So you got feasts. The first one would be, I think, after the... Or, okay, so more generally, sacrifices which links to feasts. I was just about to say that. Yeah, so sacrifices which... Oh, sure were. <laughs> <laughs> sacrifices which link, link, links to feasts. You've got uh, after they sin, they're covered in animals' clothing. Yes. So an animal would have had to sacrifice its life for them to be covered of so course. for their sin. Um, so that's that's the first time a sacrifice is uh-huh. taken. So that's, that's the... tip. Sorry for interrupting you. No, no problem. That is typological. So that's a thing called a, a type. So typological things yes. are a type. Mm-hmm. That is a type of the Christ, or that's what it's alluding to, yes. prophesying that Jesus Christ is going to be the sacrifice, mm-hmm. the atonement that will cover us. Yeah. Just as it, this animal sacrifice covered them. Yeah. I say. Yeah. Interesting. Can you get, get, get examples now or do you want a few more? Uh, yeah, a few more, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got that. You got a tale of two cities. You got Babylon and Jerusalem, both of which appear in Genesis in the first oh, okay. 10 chapters. So you got Babylon as the, the Tower of Babel. That's yes. the first time Babylon and it's the city of evil. Okay. And then you've got Jerusalem, which is actually called Salem. Um, okay. And Abraham doesn't live there, but there's a character called Mal- Malchizedek, who I know you know about. He mm. comes out of Salem, which means peace. The city called Peace, and he is a prophet. He's a priest and a king. Of course, and, he and that's a- another typological thing. Exactly. They're actually intrinsically linked. This the yes. typological and uh, and and what you're talking about. Yes, Melchizedek. He was the first high priest and king, and then Jesus is the high priest and king. And in Revelation, Jesus will come down and he will reign in Jerusalem. So uh, it's amazing. What about laws? Laws. Is that one? What do you mean? As oh, in well, the first time law a law appears. Um, Shut up, like that's not one. I think. Well, co- I could. Why did why did the covenants? Ah, yeah. I don't know about laws in particular. I haven't thought about that one before. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So covenants. You got the Adamic covenant. You got the Noahic covenant. You got the Abrahamic covenants. Yes. Um, yes. I think those are quite important. What would you say about those? Look about covenants in the Bible, and in particular in Genesis. Well, covenants, of course, are important. They are the promise that is made by God to yeah. man. And unlike promises that humans make to one another, these are unbreakable. Mm-hmm. That is, whenever God uh, pr- uh, commands something, it will come to pass. Isaiah 55 says, anything comes from my mouth will accomplish what I've set out to accomplish. Okay. So you've got the covenants, such as the Adamic covenants, Noahic covenants, uh, covenants, Abrahamic covenants, such as the Abraham one, which I do know a little bit about. Before. Uh, that is that... Uh, so he would that his line would be multiplied that he would have uh, numerous generations as numerous as the stars and then a sign of that covenant there was signs that were given to represent the covenant was circumcision and then you see from that Israel comes 
So that's the line of line of Abraham. That's the numerous as numerous as the stars. Yeah. And uh, a sign of that covenant was was circumcision, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's that idea that God says that I will bless you, and when God says that, He will bless us. Yeah. Uh, or bless Abraham in these covenants. So it's a covenant, divine decree by God that will accomplish what He has set out to accomplish. If yeah. I feel. And then some covenants are conditional and unconditional as well. Yes. So there's one I think with Abraham is I think it's chapter. 14 or 15, where to, to symbolize the covenant cutting against some historical context, they cut up the two sacrifices in pieces and the symbolic of if you don't obey this covenant, this is what will happen to you, you'll be cut into pieces. And then the two parties who are about to enter into the covenant will again join hands or just walk up and down between these two cut up sacrifices. Mm. And that symbolizes the covenant beginning. But whenever Abraham's meant to make this covenant with God um, to say an heir will come from him that will save the world, he falls asleep. And whenever he wakes up, he sees a, a cauldron, I think it's a cauldron of flat fire, it's described as passing up and down between the, the cut, cut sacrifices. Yes. So, so God's making that, that's, that's symbolic of God. God is making these uh, this covenant, but it's only a one-way covenant. He's like, no matter what Abraham does, I'm going to keep this covenant. Yes. He has no, nothing to fulfill. Uh-huh. So then there is other uh, promises that God's make that are clearly instituted as conditional. That is, it requires a human response. Yeah. So uh, depending on what we humans do, will depend on yeah and that's like that's like with moses the uh the covenant god makes with israel at mount sinai and um, it's if you keep these commands i will bless you if you don't i will punish you and that's what happens yeah and evident yeah this year in babylonian exile okay yeah interesting yeah interesting so another question that this raised in genesis is about um the idea of repentance but not human repentance of god's repentance so again it comes up through other places in the bible but to answer the question here um, it's in particular with um, on the, the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. Mo, or, uh, Abraham changes God's mind. Is that what happens or how would you describe it? Right. So okay. Maybe, so maybe, this maybe takes re- a bit. Re- recap the story. This, okay. So the story. Yeah. Or just, just that part of the story. Well, you basically got Sodom and Gomorrah. They were sexually deviant. They were promiscuous. They were sinful in every way that you could think of. And um, basically it got to the point where God said, that's enough. God said, I'm going to execute justice on Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, uh, Abraham's, Lot was Abraham's nephew, nephew was living in Sodom and Gomorrah uh, with, his, with his wife and children. And so uh, Abraham, not, not only probably because of that, but all, he had empathy for a people, the people there as well. Uh, he basically began praying to God saying, please don't destroy them. And then it basically goes back and forth. If I find this so many, uh, so many righteous people, I won't do it. And basically comes to the point where they find not a single person who is righteous. And so God then decrees, I'm going to, to destroy. But again, it's that back and forth, the idea of man dialoguing with God, uh, man and so uh, seemingly changing, changing Yeah, seemingly changing God's mind. Yes. So now that we've established the narrative, what I would say to understand, because this isn't just the only passage, mm. um, because uh, we're uh, we need to establish that God is omniscient, that is, he is all knowing, he is omnipotent, that is, he, uh, he is all knowing, all powerful, and omnipresent. Mm-hmm. So he is, he is everywhere. So omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Yeah. Those are the immutable characteristics of God. So we want to make sure that when we read the passages that we are not diminishing those characteristics, okay? And it also says elsewhere, I think in Numbers, that God is not a man, that he should change his mind. Not only in Numbers, First Samuel 15, okay. which is a really interesting passage because it talks about how God says he'll never change his mind mm-hmm. or rep- he'll never repent. Yes. And then later in that passage, it says God repents. Yes. 
So it seems like we have a biblical paradox there. Yes. Okay, but what we need to understand is when reading the passages, okay, we know that God is those immutable characteristics, unknowing, all-powerful and omnipresent. He is Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, So that's what we need to make sure that we establish and that we don't uh, detract away or destroy who God is uh, and and what his character is. So that then leads us to actually answer the question. Yeah. Um, You always love to set up the foundations, as you say. (laughs) The foundations, the pillars. Uh, Yes, so we are the finite trying to understand the infinite. We are the comprehensible trying to understand the incomprehensible, okay? So human conceptualization of the infinite is always going to be limited, okay? There's going to be a threshold that we meet that we just can't surpass because of our, our cognitive faculties. Just can't deal with it. They just mm. can't hope. Our brains would literally implode, explode, whatever. <laughs> so that's what we have to truly understand is that we won't be able to understand. Uh, and so it leads us to a feature because these are humans writing writing the Bible through the inspired word of God. So this is God giving to man, but man trying to understand God through the language devices that we have. Mm-hmm. And so... God condescends. Yes, our, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, a feature or a device that is used uh, w- within these narratives or whenever in these passages is uh, anthropomorphic metaphors. Okay, so basically it's whenever we give human characteristics to God mm-hmm. in order to better understand as best we can. Uh, and so that's what's happening here. We are trying to conceptualize as best we can the infinite. Uh, but it's important that when we do that, we don't detract away from the, 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 the character of God. So whenever, and you also have to enshrine it in the context. So whenever it talks about God repenting and then humans repenting, humans repenting, it's always preceded by sin or something's done wrong. And yes. so that's needs repented of. Mm-hmm. Whenever it's talking about God, look in the context, it means something completely different. Yeah. So again, it's just understanding those language devices. It's understanding the internal characteristics and, and context of, of the passage. Yeah. I would add to that though, and I would say, obviously we won't, again, it is incomprehensible, but I think I would, I would draw the line slightly further and say there are aspects of what we can understand. So the way I would, I would explain it is, uh, like we said before, conditional or unconditional. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, and this is, again, this isn't me, this is Dallas Theological Seminary, so it's not... Uh, this isn't my thinking, um, but they, they describe it as God has conditional and unconditional ways of thinking. And so with Solomon Gomorrah, we'll take that as an example. Um, if, if it was unconditional, he would have just destroyed them because his mind can't be changed. If he said unconditionally, I'm going to destroy Solomon Gomorrah, um, that's, that's not going to change. Yeah. Whereas Abraham, whereas it probably was conditional. Because Abraham was able to get, I think it was, I finished up, finished up at 10 righteous, which there turns out there wasn't even 10 righteous, so he still destroyed them. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it ends. But that was a conditional thing. God said, okay, he, he knew before he began, I'm going to save it for 10 people because he is omnipotent. Yes. So even with uh, Israel, w- w- like uh, Israel going through the rest of the, to- uh, rest of the Tanakh, God says, um, it's, well, it's written in the covenant. It says, "If you do those things, I will, I will uh, punish you. If you, if you, sorry, if you keep my commands, I will uh, bless, you. bless you. And if I, uh, if you don't, then I'll punish you." Okay. But then you got all the prophets coming and saying, "Repent!" Like God's saying, "If you repent, my my punishment is conditional. It's conditional of your repentance." Yes. So therefore, God's mind can be changed if we change our ways in certain circumstances. But yes. there are other circumstances in which, again, that's the part we can't comprehend. Is yes. When, or when and when not, he is. Of course. So yeah. for summarizing that, whenever we think of this really uh, a first confusing topic, we need to understand that God is uh, all of these characteristics which we talked about. And we can't detract away from that in order to understand the passage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we can't just compromise 
like God's omniscience in order to just understand the passage. Uh, we've talked about how we are finite trying to understand the infinite. We've talked about anthropomorphic metaphors. And then um, we've also talked about the conditional, unconditional nature of God that can help us understand. And also talked about how repentance, whenever it's con- pertaining to God, means something different to whenever it's addressing human human repentance. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a brief understanding. If you want to, I encourage you to research more upon that topic and get more extensive understanding upon it. Oh, yeah, for sure. One of the most amazing stories is Isaac, the sacrifice. Yes. Abraham oh, yeah. to sacrifice his son. Sorry to go through Genesis without talking about that one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that, is, that is a crazy passage um, as well. I, I never even realized he was sacrificed in Mount Moriah, which is where Calvary is in the New Testament. That's the exact same location. That is so crazy. So Abraham offers up his son as a sacrifice. Uh-huh. And... 2,500 odd years later. Yeah. The Father God offers his son, uh-huh. Lord Jesus Christ, on that exact same mountain. Uh-huh. And again, it's it's typological. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about you don't have to sacrifice your son because I'm going to sacrifice my son yeah. in, in, in place of that. Yeah. And there's so much you can write. There's so much about all these stories. There's so much you yeah. could talk about. Uh, and then we've talked about from Isaac, then comes Jacob and Esau. Uh, you've got, you know, Israel, Edom. You've got the narrative and contrast there. And then from Jacob, it's his 12 sons. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah, 12 sons. Is there 12 or 13? 12? Well, okay, so there's the 12 tribes of Israel. But, yes. But Joseph actually has his two sons who are included in the tribes. There's no tribe of Joseph, but there's a tribe okay. of Ephraim and Manasseh. Yes. So there's actually 13 tribes. So that no matter which way it's counted, there's always 12 tribes. So if they go to war, the Levites aren't included because they're the priests. Yes. But there's still 12 tribes going to war. That kind of thing. So whatever way you count it, even though there's 13 tribes, there's still 12. Yes, okay, I understand, I understand. And then that's an amazing story about Joseph as well. Oh yeah, that's a class story. Yeah, yeah. so how does, that, how does that transition? So basically it's whenever they're in Egypt, mm-hmm. okay? And then that's the transition from Genesis to Exodus. Yeah. So basically it's, can you remember the, the narrative that happens there? There's, oh, uh, there's a new, how I, they get into slavery. Yeah, so <laughs> it says there's a new pharaoh that arises that um, knew not Joseph. And in the Septuagint, it's, which is Greek, it uses the word... Um, Hetero, which means other, like okay. of, of another type. So a lot of scholars think this is a, either there's a period of history where there was the Hyksos pharaohs that reigned in Egypt. Okay. And they were uh, of Assyrian kind of, um, of Assyrian lineage. So um, I think the most the most uh, plausible explanation is Joseph rose to power. What, for one, one reason why Joseph rose to power so quickly, not only because he was um, very good at his job and predicted dreams and that kind of thing like with the gifts God gave him but also because the pharaohs were the Hyksos pharaohs that roughly time frames also like line up roughly yes so they were also Semites from that same region of Joseph so like this guy's kind of like us he's not an Egyptian so we're going to promote him in, in our ranks okay because he's he's like a bit racism involved but he's like the same as us yes so then whenever it says that a pharaoh of another kind came there was a point of time where, where the Egyptians overthrew the Hyksos pharaohs and kicked them all out okay so they would have probably looked at Israel even though they were a different nation, but like these guys are Semites, they're from the same part of the land, so we don't like them, so we'll put them into slaves. Yes. Or into slavery. Uh-huh. So that's probably one common, yeah. common and also explanation. Because they were so numerous yes. and, and posed a threat, mm-hmm. then they had them kind of... So again, those are just inferences, again, with all the other historical uh, historical content that we have that yeah. only reaffirm the biblical message. Yeah. And again, there's like, this is some reading I did over lockdown, I've told look about this already, but mm-hmm. um, like the Enuma Elish, which is the Babylonian and Mesopotamian, um, kind of creation myth and it just talks it's it's very interesting to compare that to Genesis because there are some points that are almost identical and then other points that are completely different so it's just interesting to see how the Bible varies from these other sources um, yes. and then the other example is in the Epic of Gilgamesh 
Um, you've got a character called Utnapishtim, who him and his wife su- survive a worldwide flood by building an ark. Okay. So it's like, so it's like oh, the I Babylonian wonder- narrative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I see. So it's just interesting to see all these historical documents that kind of support the Bible in yeah. different ways. And it's something you can, again, we don't really have time to talk about in a 30-minute podcast. Yeah, of course. Like, the whole point of this podcast was to give you a brief overlay of, uh, you know what I mean, give you a chat, um, like a framework as to, and splitting it up of chapters 1 to 11, 12 to 50, uh, extracting some key things uh, such as covenants or uh, talking about... Biblical themes beginning, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Talking about uh, Adam, Noah, Abraham... Uh, talking about the patriarchs, mm-hmm. talking about narratives, talking about how you transition from Genesis to Exodus, uh, and how that's the next the next step, and how it's one really interesting narrative. Now you could literally, like, of course, continue today. People are still writing books in this, so yeah. you know what I mean. And you could do sermons on on each individual character. You know what I mean, regardless of who it on is. Each, on each verse, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. About how we can learn from them and and the sins that they committed and the faithfulness of God and His providence. Uh, again, there's there's so much which we can't cover in this book podcast, and we can't cover like the I feel, age of the I earth. Feel, yeah, I feel like this is just a trailer for further podcasts in Genesis because we will <laughs> definitely come back to it at another point. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. How do you uh, summarize then? Do you have anything else to say, Peter? Summarize. It's the story of how God seeks to walk with men and how men need to respond and walk walk back. Okay. Um, and that's what the whole Bible is about. So it's it's a good place if you're beginning to not don't get bogged down with all the details about like oh how old is the earth and that kind of thing because again the authors aren't concerned about that so neither should we. There are important questions to answer but not at the beginning when you're starting out. Yeah. Um, but re- re- read Genesis if, if you're curious. Um, if you're not a Christian, probably start with the Gospels because you want to have a view of Christ before you go back. Um, even in on the road to Emmaus, Jesus says he he testified of himself, of of the scriptures of himself of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely messed up translation of a good bit but basically jesus is he is is he has been able to have been found throughout all of the bible and therefore in all of genesis like we've already pointed out three or four ideas where jesus is obviously shown and we weren't even we didn't even plan those that was just what came up in our conversation yeah uh-huh um how, how would you summarize the look any further thoughts no 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 further thoughts i just give you a brief overlay before that so yeah, you know what i mean true. i don't want to exhaust it uh thanks guys for listening and we shall see you all next